Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Dr. Joe Vitale was featured in the film The Secret, and he is the best-selling author of many books, including The Miracle, Six Steps to Enlightenment, Zero Limits, The Awakened Millionaire, and he's the creator of Miracle Coaching. Joe has taught people from all walks of life how to manifest miracles. And Amazon has Dr. Joe, a Dr. Joe Vitale page, which is wonderful, featuring his brilliant books. And Carol, I know you're a major fan of Joe's work. I certainly am. Thank you, Joe, for joining us. Uh, of course. Are you kidding? I've been looking forward to this. I even showered and shaved, so I look my good, my best on radio. <laughs> well, your information is just what filmmakers need because they have to raise the money to make their features and documentaries, and any blocks that they have to money can really get in their way. So this is your forte, clearing blocks to improve your life and increase your income, Right. It absolutely is, and I love filmmakers. I absolutely do. I've been involved in so many movies. Of course, The Secret is the one everybody knows, but I've been in the movie Beyond Belief, The Tapping Solution, a forthcoming movie called One Life, No Regrets, uh, The Meta Secret, The Compass, Leap, The Abundance Factor, and more movies than I can think of. But I love filmmakers because they're doing something where they bring a dream to life. And one of the greatest ways to influence people is with a film. They're not all reading books, but they are all watching movies and TV and films. So I'm excited to be here, and that's one of the things I want to do is help people clear up their blocks so they can have, do, or be what they want. Exactly. Good. Well, now, most people remember you from the movie The Secret, and Mm. besides that, your many best-selling books. But please give us a bit of your background. Well, it was not a party. I was homeless in the late 1970s in Dallas. I was in poverty for almost 10 years when I was in Houston. And throughout it all, I was pursuing my dream of being an author. And I kept struggling. I kept uh, going through the dark night of the soul. But I kept persisting. I kept working on myself. I kept reading the self-improvement books. You know, there was no Internet at the time. I had no coach at the time. It was pretty much a solitary ride through hell. But... I came out the other side. I started to get published. The Internet helped spread a lot of my work around. I became more and more known as a marketer and a copywriter. I was also pursuing my spiritual side, and I wrote little books like Spiritual Marketing and The Attractor Factor. That, of course, got the attention of lots of people, including the New York Times, and including a nice lady in Australia who ended up making a movie that has changed the course of humanity called uh, The Secret. And with The Secret, I haven't really looked back. I'm invited to go around the world. I've spoken in Kuwait and Russia and Peru and all points in between. And I continue writing books, like the latest one is called The Miracle, Six Steps to Enlightenment. But I also have other interests. I'm a musician. I have six singer-songwriter albums with one I'm finishing up right now. So I love music. I love books. I love films. I, I love all of what I'm doing. But it was not an overnight success, unless you define overnight as about 35 years. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) That's quite often said about filmmakers or actors. No one has ever heard of, but they have been uh, diligently pursuing their craft for years, and then all of a Mm -hmm. sudden they get discovered. It's it's hard to uh, start from nothing and become famous overnight. So we got to maintain I'm, our course. That's, that's part of our course. journey, you know. Well, it seems like a struggle, and in many real ways it's a struggle. I remember mine very well. It is part of the adventure. It's part of the adventure and the process of getting the project done. So we can't surrender. We can't stop. We can't give up. We've got to keep our eyes on the bottom line, on the, on the ball, so to speak, which is creating the film and take it one step at a time, and some days will be great, and some days will be a little sluggish. But by doing it one day at a time, you end up, you know, like me today, having the honor of being interviewed. 
or you end up having oh. your movie released. You know, you just have to keep maintaining the course. Maintain the course. That's a good motto. Well, I want to talk to you about this brilliant book, The Miracle, Six mm. Steps to Enlightenment. Because in that, you say that the world works in many ways that most of us don't understand. And one of the ways that it works is life is a mirror, and it's reflecting to you what you believe. Yeah. So how can we change our beliefs to improve our lives? And that's the biggie right there, because we live in a belief-driven universe, and I really want everybody to get this. Because if they are struggling, raising money, struggling finishing their project, struggling promoting their, their film, whatever it happens to be, they can ease and end that struggle by working within themselves. And believe me, when I was struggling as an author and I'm homeless and in poverty and going through all of that, I didn't know all of this, and I didn't know how to do it when I did learn that there were beliefs controlling our lives. So the very first thing everybody has to understand is the results we're getting are a direct reflection of the beliefs we have in our unconscious slash subconscious mind. So it's not so matter what you're consciously thinking, because you can be thinking, oh, I'm going to be rich and famous, I'm going to release this movie, everything's going to work out great. You can say that all day long, consciously. But if unconsciously, in that subconscious mind, you have beliefs about deservingness or success or failure or money, those beliefs will be acted out in your life, and you won't ever know it until you get a moment like this and somebody rides along and says, hey, you are getting what you're getting because of your beliefs. You have to change your beliefs. So that's the first big understanding is that we live in a belief-driven universe. Change your beliefs, and you get a different universe. That's the first principle. The second one is, well, how do you change your beliefs? Well, in the book you're referring to, The Miracle, I have lots of processes in there. And I talk about a lot of processes. It's everything from coaching. I created The Miracle's coaching program so that people can have their own Miracle's coach to walk them through their beliefs, to help them change their beliefs. But if somebody didn't have a coach, they can begin to question their own beliefs. And they would begin by asking things like, what might I believe to create this circumstance in my life? And they would pick a circumstance in their life. Maybe they haven't raised the funds for their movie. Maybe they, they haven't got everybody they want to be in the movie, and it feels like blocks. Whenever it feels like there's some blocks there and they're nagging at people, there's a sign that there's a belief behind it. The belief is creating the block. So you want to question and ask yourself, what might I believe to create this kind of situation? Or another way to look at it, and this is another big concept, the meaning, the meaning you give an event is the belief that actually attracted the event. And I'm going to repeat that because wow. that's so, that's so yeah. huge. The meaning yeah. you give an event is the belief that caused the event or attracted the event. So if I were working with a filmmaker or somebody called in and said, hey, I've, I've got this stubborn problem of not raising enough money to actually begin my project, I would explore to find out, well, what does that mean to you? And they would end up telling me a story, and their story could be like, well, the economy is like this. I can't get any money because all the funds are tied up for the arts, or, or people are holding on to their money more and more. Well, right there, those are beliefs. You can argue for them, but you can also find people who are succeeding in raising their money, despite the economy, despite the politics, despite arts and funding and this, that, and the other. So is it a fact if some people are raising money and other people aren't? No, it's a belief. And this is the kind of soul-searching we have to do to uncover our own beliefs. It's very difficult to explain it in a quick radio show, but you get a sense of what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. It's a belief. This is so important to get the definition right. It's, uh, it's not the truth. It's a belief because... There are hundreds of films made every year, and 50,000 yeah. uh, listed, and 50,000 that are written from the writer's skill. So people are writing, producing, and achieving their goals where some aren't. So the difference is to acknowledge what is your belief in a situation. Do you think you can do it or not, right? Yeah, and that's very important because one way to look at it is, 
a fact is something every single person can agree on, and science can measure it and weigh it. But a belief is something we can argue about. And so when somebody says, I'm, I'm, I've got a film that I'm trying to bring into production, but I keep hitting roadblocks. Well, does that mean that you are destined not to have the film? Does it mean that you're destined not to raise the money for the film? Because your answer is going to reflect your belief system more than it's going to reflect reality. Because there are certainly people out there who are raising their money, people who are finding their actors, their actresses, people who are uh, maintaining their schedule, people who are finishing their films and getting it out there. So we really got to look inside of ourselves, whether it's a film or anything else. And we've got to look at beliefs about the things attached to a film. For example, when people say, well, I have problems raising the money for the film, I, gosh, I, how do I even begin to address this? We have so many limiting beliefs around money and deservingness. I can begin a statement right now, and everybody will finish it because the belief is in their collective consciousness. It's in everybody's head. Money mm-hmm. is the root of all. <laughs> evil. I, yeah, I don't have to say evil. So imagine this. We've got a we've got a wonderful, highly positive filmmaker who's got a great film, and they want to raise the money for it. And consciously, that's all well and good. But if unconsciously they think money is evil, are they going to allow it into their lives? No, of course not. I never thought of that. Well, this is what we need to think of. And believe me, I've had to go through this, too, because I had issues with money and success and failure and deservingness. And I think we all do on some level, and we have to transcend them. And so people that look at raising money, whether it's for themselves or for their film, they may have positive reasons. They want to pay their rent. They want to pay their director. They want to pay their actors or screenwriter or whoever's involved. But if they think money's bad or it's evil or it's going to taint them, they will purposely but unconsciously struggle with money. And, in fact, I've often asked people, have you noticed that you usually get the money you need just in the nick of time? that you will have sleepless nights, that you will struggle and you will fight and you will be frustrated, but the money will often come right in the nick of time. Why does it come in the nick of time, and why is it just the amount you need to squeak by? It's because you don't want it to be in your life very long, because you think it's bad. So, and I'm going to detour just for a second and say, I wrote a book called Attract Money Now that talks about all the beliefs about what we're talking about right here about money and deservingness and everything else and all of your listeners can have the book for free my way of helping everybody make their films because i love films and i want to watch more great films so anybody that wants that book just go to attractmoneynow.com and you can download the book i can't read it for you or do the seven steps in it but i can give it to you attractmoneynow.com thank you attractmoneynow.com and uh, download the book, right? Download it and read it. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So read many people it. will, oh, yes. you know, they buy the things. And this is the other part of getting results. You have to take action. You must take action. The reason that I've written 50-some books, the reason that I'm a musician with 15 or 16 albums out besides the six singer-songwriter albums, the reason that I travel so much and I get so much done and I have so many courses and audio programs and DVDs and so forth is I take action. And why do I take action? Because I got rid of the beliefs that were preventing me from taking action. Every filmmaker has to look at the same thing. If they are taking too long with their film and it feels like it's dragging or they're procrastinating, it's because of beliefs. They have beliefs. They're afraid to finish the project, maybe because they have the fear of success, maybe the fear of failure. But those fears are belief-based. They're not based in reality. We're not talking about running in traffic here where it would be literally dangerous. We're talking about releasing something you love or finishing something you love that can make a difference in people's lives. It can entertain them, educate them, and bring great success. But when people don't do what they know to do, they are bumping up against internal beliefs. That's, again, where they have to shine a light, work with a miracles coach, read the books, do the processes, look in the mirror, but get through that. And then you can go on to create that film and make money from it and get the results you want. Joe, I have a question about this. Of course. 
When when you're talking about the unconscious and the subconscious, it almost sounds like they're the exact same thing. Are they? Yes, I'm referring to them as the same thing. And I use the terms interchangeably because over the years I've heard people say, oh, you're using the subconscious where it's really unconscious, where somebody would say, you're referring to unconscious when it's really subconscious. And I thought, okay, I will just say both. <laughs> Good. Okay. It's really the Another- same thing, and I don't want people to get hung up on definitions. I am talking right. about the larger database and power driving system that's in our brain. We've got the conscious mind, and that's what all of us are aware of because we're thinking with it, we're reflecting with it, we're choosing with it. But what most people don't understand, and neuroscience is proving this, is that the power center that has all of your beliefs and all of your memories and all of the energy and information in your life is taking up 90% of your brain. Your 10% little consciousness is a pipsqueak. It can barely see out the window compared to what the 90% is doing. So the 90% is your operating system. If you have a intention in the 10%, the conscious mind that says, I want to finish my film and have it to be a glorious success and win some sort of award, that's great. But now you have to look at what's in the 90%, which is the controlling belief system. Does it agree? If it does agree that you can finish your film and be a success and everything, then you will finish your film and have it be a success. But if you have beliefs about money, deservingness, success, failure, uh, movies, movie industry, anything in there that could block you or trip you up, you will self-sabotage your own efforts, blame it on everybody else, and not realize it's coming from the beliefs in the 90% of your brain. So, Joe, right there where somebody might might think, oh, gosh, he's right, I know I've got some some unconscious beliefs like that. Unfortunately, sometimes when people discover that, they go into fear and mm. then exacerbate the um, the trouble with with the belief by being afraid that it's going to control their lives and and they won't be able to change it. Yeah, that's a great question, and I want to assure everybody that that is not going to happen because the great news is awareness alone helps free you of limiting beliefs. I'm going to repeat that because it's important. Awareness alone helps free you of limiting beliefs. So if you're listening to this and you suddenly realize, wow, I've had a bad attitude towards money. I haven't really wanted it because I thought it was evil or bad. You are one step from totally clearing it away. You are now aware of an operating system, and now with that awareness, you're going to be more consciously able to choose whether to follow it or not. But you don't want to stop there. You want to go a little deeper and say, okay, how do I really feel about money, or what do I want to really feel about money? See, for me, and this is good for everybody to hear, money is nothing but an instrument. It is, it's paper. It's coin. There is no emotional value to it. There is no meaning to it other than what we give. So for me, money is a tool. It enables me to make my dreams come true. So it's not about loving money. It's not about accumulating money. It's about leveraging money. I remember there was a quote from Walt Disney, and I'm sure I've got it in my book, The Miracle. And he said, I want to make money from my movies so I can continue making movies. Do you hear exactly. the purity of I remember that? that quote. Yes. Yeah, it's pure. He's not saying, I want to make money so I can be the richest person on the planet. He says, I want to make money from my movies so I can make more movies. That's right. the kind of attitude all the filmmakers need to have, is that you want the money as leverage. You want the money to enable you to be able to create your dream of making this film. So you don't have to be hung up with money, and you won't be hung up with money if, as long as you keep looking deeper at this aspect of, oh, my beliefs are actually controlling what I'm getting, so what new beliefs would I like to have? And play with it in a kind of fun little cosmic game where you're re- rewiring your own brain. Exactly. Okay, well, going on with the book, which I loved. I loved every oh, page of Six Steps to Enlightenment. You say that there are no exceptions to the law of attraction. You're attracting what is happening to you. Mm -hmm. So now a lot of people 
when I talk to them in the film industry, they're saying, uh, oh, but my director disappeared and uh, or we had an argument. Now I don't have a director. And I always say that sometimes these things work out better for you. Whatever exactly. happens to you, you, yes, well, you speak to that for me. <laughs> Exactly. We have to look at everything in life, whether it's making a film or being in a romance or whatever it happens to be, that it's all working in our favor. It's a new attitude. It's a new perspective. It's a new belief. It's all working in our favor. And so that should be a new mantra. We should create a song and we all should sing it. It's all in our favor. It's all working in our favor. And there have been plenty of examples. There was a movie, I'm trying to think, it was a great movie, um, What the Bleep Do We Know? The movie, oh, What right. the Bleep Do We Know, that came out even before The Secret, I ended up becoming friends with the key director of it. And so we were having cigars and talking and so forth, and I said, tell me about the process of that. And he said how frustrating it was, because he had the idea for the movie, they got the script for the movie, they're shooting the m- movie, and he would sit and watch the editor edit the movie, and one day the editor just quit. The editor quit. Oh, and oh gosh. And so the director's sitting there going, well, what do I do? And then he realized... I've been watching him do editing all this time. I will edit the movie. And he oh did. He did. <laughs> he just great. sat in the seat, and he went ahead and edited the movie. So what looked like it was a showstopper, like, oh, well, you know, we've got to go look for an editor. Not that there aren't editors out there. There's great editors. But you've got to train somebody, bring them in, trust them, blah, blah, blah. He just looked at it like, well, here's an opportunity, and I guess I'm up to bat. I guess I'm up to bat. I remember when Nick Ortner was making his movie, it's called The Tapping Solution. Uh, I think it was originally called um, Try It On Everything. And it's about the EFT, TFT, the tapping movement that's out there, which is a whole self-help thing. But it's also a way to remove beliefs, so maybe it's a good reason I'm bringing it up. But when I interviewed Nick Ortner and said, how did you come up with the money for the movie, and did you have training to create this movie? And he said... (laughs) I had no training, but I had rented a lot of movies from Blockbuster. And uh-huh. I thought, well, that was brilliant. He was learning how to make movies from the movies he was watching. And then I said, how did you raise the money for it? And he said, I tapped out all my credit cards. <laughs> and so you, just, you work with everything as it shows up, but you have the underlying belief that it's all working out in your favor. It may not look like it because one day you're counting on a particular actor or actress and he or she calls in sick or says, I'm never coming back, and now you have to look for the replacement. But that's the opportunity that could be the replacement is 100 times better. And finding a replacement is actually part of the journey and the education too. So this is a whole mindset thing. Instead of having the belief that, you know, crap happens and, and this is all sucking, we want to look at a new belief that miracles happen, and it's all working in my favor. Good. Yes, it's all working in my favor. I love that. We have to get that going as a mantra. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, through the nonprofit that I run, From the Heart Productions, I coach people about raising money, and I find those who believe they can do it, do it. Yes. Uh, whether it's 50000 or 500 or even a million, they get the money. But those yes. who say, well, I'm going to have trouble, they do. The, they actually do have trouble. Yeah. So how, how do we address that? Well, what you're, you are spelling out in a very clear form is a result of their own beliefs. The ones you just gave as examples are crystal clear that if somebody believes that it's going to work out for them and then it does work out, it was a match to their own internal beliefs. They had the confidence and the faith and then took the action that was needed, and son of a gun, they get the very thing they believed they would get. Again, it's belief. The person who says that, well, I don't believe I'm going to get it, uh, and who knows what their reasons are, he or she probably has a whole lot of evidence that they believe is real. But it's a belief, and they're going to match their belief. They say it's going to be difficult, and I'm probably not going to raise the money, or I'm not going to raise enough. They will match that in their consciousness, and it will be mirrored in reality. So this goes back to we got to look at our internal beliefs. If somebody is saying, uh, I love my film, I believe in it, I love everybody involved in it, I believe I need this much money, and I believe I can get it, and they go out there, they will probably get the money. If somebody listening is thinking, yeah, but I don't quite believe that, 
They want to look at right. why don't they believe it. Why don't they believe it? Because that question will help uncover their limiting beliefs. The reality for me is we live in this world of magic and miracles, and with the Internet and crowdsourcing and crowdfunding and Kickstarter and all these different programs that are out there where anybody, an individual with no experience, no sort of credentials, can list their project and ask for money and get it, this is an amazing time that makes it easy for everybody that's a filmmaker or any sort of dream that they want to pursue. So the only excuses I know for things not working out are internal ones. And that, again, is why we want to do all the work inside ourselves. And that's why my new book, The Miracle, spends so much time on processes, because we want to look at what's inside blocking us. We really want to be in a place where we can stand on a soapbox and say, I got the greatest film of all time. I totally believe in this. Here's why I believe in this, and here's how much I need. And by your contribution, we're going to be able to create this and get it out there into the world. I want people to come from that place. And if they're not in that shiny, powerful, volcanic stance of confidence, then they've got to ask, what's missing? What am I believing inside myself? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well done. Well said. All right. Well, let's go to another idea here. This is that your thoughts, uh, thoughts need to become more positive. I, I go back to the Iron Lady and where Margaret Thatcher says, watch your thoughts because they become your words and watch your words because they become your actions. And so what happens is that people <coughs> all day long are having these negative thoughts, I guess the best way to put it, but thoughts that, oh, my God, am I going to be able to achieve this? So how do we catch those? Um, they're, they're, you know, they're there. Mm-hmm. How do you catch them? They're like saboteurs living inside <laughs> us. And they come up and say exactly what our fear is. How do you catch that and then turn it into a, a possibility? Well, that's also a great question. I think, first of all, you treat it as a kind of a meditation. And so the meditation is, beware of my thoughts. And when the thoughts come up, as they come up, we can ask ourselves, do I like that thought? Do I want to keep that one, pass it along, wait for the next one, or choose something better? And so we slow down the process that at this point in time is lightning speed. Our thoughts are just cropped up. And for most people, we react to our thoughts as if they're reality. But we are not our thoughts, and that's a statement worth repeating. We are not our thoughts. We are separate from our thoughts, so we can observe them. We can actually choose which ones we want to keep, hold on to, delete, or laugh at, or anything of the sort, because we are not our thoughts. That is a basic principle of meditation anyway. I remember a T-shirt I bought decades ago. It said, meditation is not what you think. (laughs) I loved it because of the double meaning to it. Meditation is not what you think. If you're thinking, it's not meditation. And if you think you know what meditation is, well, you're probably wrong. Meditation is not what you think. So the whole reference right here is to practice the art of being separate of your thoughts, to practice the art of witnessing your thoughts. That's step one. Step two is even more fun. A friend of mine, Mindy Audlin, wrote a book called What If It All Goes Right? And in it, she... Yeah, what if it all goes right? And the idea (laughs) is to create what she calls the what-if-up game, the what-if-up. Most of us, filmmakers included, play the what-if-down game. We say, what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't raise the money? What if I never get out of my mess? What if I never pay my bills? What if I do make the movie and it bombs? What if I do make the movie and it succeeds? So we have what-if-down thoughts, and those what-if-down thoughts, you can feel them. They drop your energy. You're not enthused. You're not optimistic. You're not energized. You're not anything of an upbeat nature. So Mindy says you want to do the reverse. You want to start practicing what-if-up thinking. What if this works out? What if I raise the money? (laughs) What if my film wins an Academy Award or whatever? the? I don't know the business enough to know what awards are given to what. But what if my film is the one that gets the rave reviews? What if my film is the highest-selling film of this year or of the decade or of the century? 
my own energy is going way through the roof just playing with the what if up game so another thing people can do when they have these thoughts that seem like they're negative is first remind yourself you're not your thoughts you know you're having them but you don't have to buy into them and then second of all you can start playing the what if up game instead of wondering with worry and criticism and negativity how will it go wrong wonder how will it all go right how will it all go right isn't that a better question Oh, that is so much better. And then, Joe, if you started visualizing the results you wanted, that mm. visualization could help enhance it, right? Absolutely. There is an abundance of evidence that the, re- the brain responds to imagery. In fact, that's one of the best ways to reprogram the subconscious slash unconscious mind is with imagery. But most of us, until we hear a show like this and we start to awaken, our imagery is fear-based. We're worried about uh, things, and we imagine things not going the way we want them. And so that doesn't help. It puts us in the stress, puts us in the more fear, have sleepless nights and all of that. But you can choose what you want to visualize. You can visualize your film done. You can see the name of your film in lights at some sort of theater marquee. And you can visualize lines of people going to go see your film. You can visualize the reviews, positive Uh, wonderful reviews of your film. You can visualize looking at yourself in the mirror, holding up your film in a DVD case or the book version of your film. There's all kinds of things you can do, and the filmmakers probably will come up with far better and more relevant examples than what I just gave. But you can program your mind to go in the direction of what you want by finding the imagery and then focusing on it, looking at it or thinking about it every morning and evening to help reprogram your mind. So visualization, absolutely, yes. It's one of your tools. It's one of your secrets. It's one of your power tools in your bag of tricks. Okay, great. Well, Can it um, override a, a belief system in the unconscious that might <clears throat> counter that? Is that one of the ways that you can shift that? I love that question. Yes, it is one of the ways to shift it. In many ways, you're just kind of reprogramming it with another image, uh, which is it's important to understand that the beliefs we have are kind of like software programming in our mind. And we can reprogram ourselves by dismantling the old beliefs. We discover what those beliefs are, and we question them and go, wait a minute, I don't want to believe money is evil. I want to believe money is a tool. And we start to dismantle the old wiring, and we start a new programming, a new wiring going on in our brain. But our brain's also responding to images. So if we have images that have been fear-based, oh, what if I get a negative review, or what if it doesn't work out, or blah, 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 we want to replace that with the reviews and the uh, other images that are, are the kind that we want to have happen. And so that will delete and overlay on top of the old image there. So, yeah, all of these are ways to reprogram the brain. So, yes, absolutely, the new visualization can help override and wash out a counterintention. Wonderful. Well, um, what about the fear of success? Sometimes I've heard that that holds people back. It does because people unconsciously associate a lot of things to success. And at one level, again, they want it. They want it because they're making a film, and they don't want the film to be a dud. They want it to go out there and actually make money or make a difference or do whatever their intention is for it. But they often have beliefs about what success will mean. And part of it is, well, success might mean a lot more money. And if I don't like money, again, if they think it's evil, they're not going to want that in their lives. So I have to look at that aspect. I know at one point in my life, just to use a personal story, And this was decades ago, but I was going online, I was making money on the Internet, and a great deal of money was coming in, but it seemed to hit a ceiling. And I thought to myself, how can there be a ceiling of how much money you can make on the Internet? There's nobody policing the Internet. There's nobody saying, Joe, you can't make more than, you know, six or seven figures here. So I thought, well, the only ceiling has to be an invisible one, and it has to be in me. And so Mm -hmm. I would ask myself, what do I believe about success, or why might I fear success or being more successful? And as I meditated on it, the thought came, I didn't want to be more successful than my father. Oh, my gosh. You found it. I did, and we can all find it in that way. You notice I was sincere. I took a question. I meditated on it. I allowed an answer to come up. And when it came up, I thought, oh, wow, I didn't even know that was there. And so then I questioned it. Do I really believe 
that I don't want to be more successful than my father. And part of me said, yes. I said, okay, why do I believe that? And is it true? And then as I looked at it more closely, which is what we have to do with our beliefs, I realized, no, it's not true at all. My father would be absolutely proud of me. He'd be happy (laughs) for me. He wouldn't be jealous. He wouldn't be unpleasant. He wouldn't be any of those things. And when I realized that, guess what? The invisible. You went over the numbers. Yeah, I went over the numbers, and now I don't know that we have any limits in life at all. I think every limit we perceive is actually based on our unconscious, subconscious beliefs. Change those, and wow. But, see, you found you had a ceiling. You noticed that. Some people don't, because I had a saleswoman who was really brilliant, and she worked for me in Philadelphia outside of my New York office, and I kept I watched her, and she had 40000 every month. And I said, what? What is this thing with forty thousand? Uh, you can't seem to go over forty. So, um, but I said that to myself. So what I did was, I gave her some bonuses if she hit fifty, mm. and better if she hit sixty, and mm. if she hit a hundred. And do you know, in three months, she had a hundred thousand to go after that bonus. Nice, nice. Well, the way that people find out is that they have to look at where their blocks are. If they are making a certain amount of money or they're only getting so far with their film, they have to be honest enough with themselves to realize they're bumping into a belief. Their limitation, and it might be an acceptable one, making 40 grand a month for that person was probably fine for them and they probably felt like a success. And this is why I say you have to be ruthlessly honest with yourself. It's really easy to deceive ourselves. We want to be honest and say, okay, can I do better? And why aren't I doing better? What are my goals? Why haven't I reached my goals? We want to be honest to find out where our limitations are. Then when we find them, we want to explore what the beliefs are that have created them. Much like when I looked at the bottom line and thought, wait a minute, why can't I make more money? This is the Internet. Everything goes here. There's no limits. The only limit must be in me. Then I have to go deeper and go, what might the limit be? What might the belief be? And then when it comes up about my father, I have to go deeper and say, all right, is it true? Is that a fact that he would be upset or jealous? By God, no, it's not a fact. It was my own belief. And my father, I'm glad to say, is almost 92 years old, and he's ecstatic with my success. (laughs) I bet he is. I bet he is. How wonderful. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Uh, Well, I love the part about uh, the miracle of surrender, working with the divine on page 169 Mm. of your Mm. book, The Miracles, Six Steps to Enlightenment. So can we talk about that? Well, I love your questions because you make this one-hour radio show a very in-depth transformational agent for change. Thank you. Because we're covering so much here that if people will really truly listen and and ultimately re-listen, and then use what they're hearing, oh, my goodness, they can take all of the brakes off, all the stops off, and they can accelerate to creating that film or films or whatever it is they happen to want. But the idea of surrender is in many ways an advanced concept because I, I want people to realize I don't mean giving up. When I say surrender, you're surrendering to what some people might call a higher power. You're joining forces, your forces, your own energy, your mind, body, your whole system, your physical system and energetic system. You join it with what somebody might call the divine or God or nature or Gaia or the universe. Uh, My new album coming out is called The Great Something, and it's really referring to that bigger part of us. I just call it the great something because I don't really know what it is. It's kind of mysterious, and I'm being more politically neutral by saying it's the great something. But surrender means that you are giving up your egotistical desire for things to work out your way by joining forces with a higher power that will help direct your way. And this, wow, it's a little difficult to explain, but I want people to realize you state your own intention. In this case, you probably want to make a film, or you are making a film. And then you're going to do everything you possibly can to get it done. You're going to work on your beliefs. You're going to do all the earth-level things by working with your editor, director, or actor, actresses, or story person, whatever is involved with creating a film. But you also make time for what we'll call meditation to allow 
you'll make time for silence to allow the great something to nudge you, inform you, inspire you in some sort of intuitive way. So in this way, it's not just you making the movie. You have joined forces with the great something to make the movie. I'm thinking of the famous movie, The Blues Brothers, and how they said throughout it they were on a mission from God. (laughs) Well, throughout the movie, by saying they were on a mission from God, they had a little bit more power in their step than if they were just doing it for their own sake. So surrender is a big concept, and I go in-depth in the book The Miracle, um, but that's, you know, the top-level version of it. Okay, that's brilliant. What I like is... um, is the fact that when you, I talk to filmmakers every day and I tell them, you've got to give yourself some thinking time because mm. you are so busy um, responding to emails, sending tweets, all these other things. But what about thinking? It just quiet time works. And what it seems to me like is that everybody's asking for something, but not everybody is listening to mm. hear what the universe has made to them. So yes. don't you. This is the listening time, isn't it? It is. It's the receiving time. And I, I do it in a couple ways. And the first, I might get some people judging me, but I like to have a good cigar in the afternoon. And I live in the country, so I have this almost like a treehouse experience where I can go out there with a cigar. I can sit, and there's squirrels, foxes, deer, and all kind of other critters wandering around. So I'm one with nature. And it's my quiet time. What I'm doing, I call it a cigar meditation. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you can do it with anything, but for me, it's a cigar meditation. I'm quieting my mind. I'm taking myself away from all the technological buzz that's just pounding at us today with Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and emails and phone calls and mail and FedEx. and I mean, the list goes on with all the things trying to get our attention, and that's not going to stop. So we have to break from it intentionally. So I will go and have my cigar, and it's my quiet time. It's the one thing I do uh, usually in the afternoon if I can. The other thing I do, which I do almost every night, is get in the hot tub under the Texas sky, and there I am totally silent. I look at the stars. I actually look at the stars. Like last night, they were crystal clear, and they looked like they were only six feet above my head. It was so visible. And I look at the stars, and I just feel gratitude for my life. And I will often say, thank you, thank you, thank you, as I'm looking. In both of these instances, I'm allowing myself to receive. Most of us are busy, meaning that our phones are busy. So if the universe tries to call in with a uh, <laughs> message or note or opportunity, our lines are busy. We, we can't receive it. So we have to take some sort of thinking time, meditation time, quiet time, hot tub time, gratitude time to receive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, thank mm-hmm. you very much. Now, tell us about this. In your book, you talk about ho opono pono. Yeah, that's a biggie, and that's an exciting one. Boy, we can do a whole show or two just on that. Uh, Ho'oponopono, it's a Hawaiian healing system. It's a great way to delete some of the beliefs that may or may not be showing up in people's lives, meaning they don't really even have to know consciously what the belief is to delete it with Ho'oponopono. I've written two books about Ho'oponopono, and I talk about it in the one we're referring to, the new one, The Miracle. Um, it's important to understand that I first heard about Ho'oponopono over 10 years ago, and the story I heard was of an unusual therapist who helped heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals in Hawaii. And he did it in an unusual way because those, they were considered throwaway patients. They were shackled. They were sedated. Therapists would try to work with them and quit. The turnover was amazing because it was just a hellish environment. But this therapist went there, and he practiced ho'oponopono, and slowly those patients got better, mentally ill criminals. They got better, and within four years they were all released, and the ward was closed. So I went looking for the therapist. I wrote about him in a famous book called Zero Limits, and then I wrote a sequel called At Zero. And I uh, learned his method. I've taught it to other people. I've done three seminars on it. I'm doing another seminar on advanced ho'oponopono outside of Austin, Texas, in March, March 10th, 11th, and 12th. And basically, it's very simple. Ho'oponopono consists of saying four phrases. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. 
I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. And you're saying those four phrases not to anybody else. You're not saying them to another person. You say them within yourself to your inner connection to the great something. So again, that'll be somebody's higher power, God, universe, Gaia, whatever somebody wants to call it. I can say it's nature if they feel atheistic, but we're all part of something greater, an energy field that's bigger than us. I call it the great something. So you say, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, internally, while you're feeling whatever you're feeling, as a kind of petition to erase and delete all the beliefs and limitations that are keeping you from being at peace and having, doing, or being what you want. In this case, completing your film and getting it out there. So if somebody feels like they're frustrated, they feel their frustration, and it could be for anything, that things aren't working out, they haven't raised the money, they haven't finished the film, people aren't showing up, disappointment, whatever it happens to be, they're feeling disappointment. Great. You feel the disappointment, and you say internally to your connection to the divine or the great something, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. Those four phrases are a kind of a petition, they're a kind of prayer, they're a kind of mantra. It's a request to delete the seen and unseen beliefs in the subconscious and unconscious mind that are preventing you from being at peace in the moment and getting the results you want. By doing those four phrases, I mean, I have heard miracles over 10 years of them from people all over the planet. People have used Ho'oponopono on everything from their relationships to money to their pets needing healed to I, I can't even think of all the different ways there's just so many of them it's overwhelming and there's a whole movement behind it because so many people are using ho'oponopono so again i'm giving this very cliff notes condensed turbocharged version for your listeners but they can begin it right now uh, pick something that you're trying to achieve in your life and notice how you feel about it. Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you grieving? Whatever it happens to be. And as you're feeling it inside, say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And basically you're saying, I'm sorry for wherever, whatever the beliefs are. Please forgive me for the programming that I either got or I inherited or came from my ancestors. Thank you for deleting it. Thank you for cleaning this up in me. And I love you for my life. I love you for taking care of this. I love you for um, being my ally in my road through life. There it is. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me and thank you. Oh, this is lovely. Now tell me more about this seminar. What city is it? It's going to be outside of Wimberley, Texas which is really outside of Austin, Texas, and the dates are March 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I believe the website is advancedhoaponoponolive.com. Advancedhoaponoponolive.com. Ho'oponopono, H-O, boy, am I going to be able to spell it? (laughs) Wait, I I wrote it down. Python? O-P-O-N-O-P-O-N-O. There you go. Ho'oponopono. AdvancedHo'oponoponoLive.com if somebody's interested in the event. I've also posted on Facebook about it, Twitter, and so forth, so they can find it. Well, what is your Facebook page? It's Dr. Joe Vitale, doctor being D-R. So D-R-J-O-E-V-I-T-A-L-E.com. Dr. Joe Vitale, and you or not dot com, but it's the end of the Facebook thing. If you go to Facebook and type in Dr. Joe Vitale, Dr. Joe Vitale, you should be taken right to the professional page, fan page, and such. Okay, and then to uh, learn more about your miracles therapy or miracles coaching, work your consultations. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, well, Miracles Coaching is at MiraclesCoaching.com, so www.MiraclesCoaching.com. And also, since we've referred to my book, The Miracles, so much, I wanted all your listeners to know that i got a spectacular deal going on. Uh, if they go to TheMiracleBook.info, www.TheMiracleBook.info, they will see where they can have $6,300 in real-world bonuses for just getting one copy of the book. And the book's in print. It's available for Kindle, and there's an audio version of it. 
All of that is listed and explained on the website, themiraclebook.info. This is a website, so .info, it's not .com. No, it is a website, and you are right to clarify, but it is info. www.themiraclebook.info. I don't know why we had to go with info, but that's what my guy did. Okay, well, that sounds... We thank you so much for all this information, Joe. The work you're doing is so incredible. We sincerely appreciate all that you do for us. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to say something and help filmmakers. Like I say, I love film. I want to see some more great films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you will with this kind of work and the books you put out. Thank you so much. So we hope maybe you'll come back again when uh, you're made, you've got a film or you've got uh, 14 episodes of a TV show. Yeah, like I have fun. an entire television show, all 14 episodes, an entire season that has been filmed, cut, edited, and in, in the hands of Amazon right now uh, under review and most likely will be going up there, uh, that people will be able to watch for free on, on their Prime TV or whatever Amazon calls it. Uh, the last I heard, the TV show was called The Attractor Factor with Joe Vitale, and The Attractor Factor is one of my most famous books. It's the book that got me into the movie The Secret. So there's 14 episodes, and I work with complete strangers. They're all in the studio audience. One at a time, they come up, I find their name, hear their problem, and I have to resolve it like magic on camera, live, in front of the world. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that <laughs> sounds miraculous. Well, that, that, it would make sense, right? It sounds miraculous, and I'm the guy who wrote the miracle, so it makes sense. That's right. <laughs> it all fits. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate it. Thank you, very and Godspeed to all your, your listeners. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. very grateful. That's all right. Be well, everyone. Right. Be well. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>